I'm Kat Harris. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm an educator, brand strategist, and content creator. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful dialogue. It's a place where none is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where the journey is the destination. So I invite you to leave your Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is messy and beautifully imperfect. We all have a story to tell, and I want to hear yours. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with Bethany McDaniel, founder of Primally Pure Skincare. They launched their company February 2015 with just four products. And at the end of 2017, they brought in over $1.4 million in sales, which I think is absolutely crazy and amazing. Um, Their philosophy is nature is smarter than science. And I've had the pleasure of meeting Bethany and getting to know her through the mastermind that we're both in with Jenna Kutcher. Um, So Bethany, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hi, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And let's just pretend that we didn't just like do 10 other (laughs) intros that we like. (laughs) Yeah. No one, no one needs to know about that. (laughs) Big secret. No one will ever know. (laughs) How's it going today for you? Good. Yeah. Um, so you're based out of, you're outside of San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're in Temecula, California. So like the wine country of Southern California. Nice. And how is sweet baby June? She's good. She's had a little bit of a rough week. Um, She was throwing up a few days ago. We still don't know from what, if it was something she ate or a bug, but she's doing a lot better now. So she's good. She's so much fun learning so much and talking and all that. It's been awesome. And I don't know if I've asked you this, but is there a story behind why you called her June? Not really. Um, I've always loved the name and my Nana, one of her really good friends was named June and she always baked us cakes. <laughs> so we always knew her as the cake lady. So oh, maybe I'm just kind of remembering that actually, maybe that subconsciously is one of the reasons why I always loved that name. Cause I associated it with the cake lady. Moon <laughs> yeah. means cake. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally just now thinking about that. But yeah, I just always love the name. I like that it's just kind of old fashioned and timeless and you don't hear it a lot. So yeah. And she was almost her due date was like mid May, but then she Uh ended up coming like May 28th. And we were thinking, oh my gosh, we're naming this baby June and she's going to be born in June. But she she just missed it. It came a little bit too early. So my grandma's (laughs) name is June. And I honestly think I just realized in the last couple of years that she wasn't born in June. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Your birthday is in January? That your name make is any June. sense. I know. Like I just think <laughs> as a kid, like I always just assumed it was June. Yeah. And now I, like a couple years ago, I had this like mind blowing experience of like, whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, I think when I, first of all, when, as soon as we met, I think that first night that we met, you were giving me primarily pure, um, charcoal deodorant and, um, dry shampoo out of your car and (laughs) um, just loving the product. But 
What I'm really excited to talk with you about today is the process of starting a business and specifically your business. And at least for me, what can happen when I see someone like you online, you guys are projected to make several million dollars this year. Um, You have almost 100,000 followers on Instagram. You have this beautiful feed. You have incredibly well-branded products it can almost feel like unattainable. Like, oh my gosh, like how did she even get there? And I'm just thinking of when I started my business of seeing someone like you, I would have probably thought, oh, she probably has a spouse that's backing her project with hundreds of thousands of dollars, or she has investors that are investing millions, but that isn't necessarily your story. No. (laughs) And so I kind of want to like remove that Superman cape of like, oh my gosh, we have it all together. And yes, it's always been successful since day one and it's been squeaky clean. Um, I want to hear like this, your story. Right. I totally know what you mean because in the beginning, I definitely thought that about so many people. And still today when I listen to like, I don't know if you ever listened to how I built this the podcast Mm -hmm. and they interview really successful business owners. And I'm always so surprised to hear that how they started is not a whole lot different than how I started. Like so many of the huge businesses that we know today that everyone knows and just, we probably just assume that they started with huge investments and all of that, but really so many of them are just bootstrapped. So love listening to that. That's always encouraging. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I started out, Primally Pure was just really born from my own passion for health and wellness and natural skincare. And we, I had moved to Arizona, my husband and I, after we got married, we're both from California. And right before we moved, my husband started a farm, kind of spontaneously started a farm with his brothers and dad, who none of which had had any prior farming experience. They just kind of decided to do this as somewhat of a hobby for fun and just to raise chicken for our family the way that we thought it should be raised outside on grass. And after we had kind of learned that terms like free range and cage-free, all of that didn't really mean a whole lot. We were just looking for a more healthful chicken for us to eat just for ourselves. So they kind of started that. And then we moved to Arizona. My husband was teaching and I was working at Special Olympics out there. And meanwhile, his brothers and dad were kind of just working on this farm as a hobby. And it got to the point where we were selling a lot of the chickens we had raised instead of eating them ourselves and more and more people were wanting them. So it just kind of grew naturally. And at one point we were just making trips back to California almost every weekend for farm tours where we would invite our customers to come visit the farm and we would show them how we're raising the food that we are selling to them and just kind of helping out with the day-to-day farm tasks. So eventually we quit our jobs and we moved back to California We moved in with my husband's parents, so my in-laws. So it was my husband and I, his parents, his sister, her husband, their son, and his other sister, who were all living in one 1,700-square-foot house, like sharing a bathroom. It was insane. Um, The house... (laughs) Okay, can we pause? Okay, first of all, let's pause and say 
you said your you your husband spontaneously started a farm. Yeah. So you guys start this farm and then you guys are like, bye, we're moving. Because yeah. <laughs> we didn't think it was going to, I mean, it was all just for fun. <laughs> Literally how it happened was like, we were all sitting around, I think it was on Easter and we were talking about starting a farm and my husband's brother went into the other room and comes back and he's like, all right, I ordered 50 chicks. So we're like, oh my okay, God, great. We'll just try to figure this out. And so it was just, it was super small for a while. Yeah. And then you've been married for a couple of years at this point. Yeah. And then it's like the whole family moves into a house together. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it just came to a point where all of us were like, okay, either we have to really give this a go or just kind of let it fizzle out because we couldn't continue to keep up with our nine to five jobs plus this farm. It was either every, we were going to go all in or we were just going to kind of give it up. So we decided to take a chance on it and moved in together, which was uh, it was it was a disaster, <laughs> like especially with all the siblings, <laughs> like grown siblings living together, and my husband Jeff's family. Like they're not reserved, quiet people. Like everyone has opinions, everyone is loud. It was crazy, but we got to know each other really well, and I mean, we we're all able to just be really hands on with the farm. And I mean, I think that's a big part of why it took off because we were just we were very committed to it. Wow. That's, 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 I mean, that it's like your pre primarily pure journey just already sounds like such a risk. And I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, my family sounds like his family. Like everyone has an opinion. Yeah. There's a million of us. We get all together and we totally love each other, but I am just trying to imagine us all moving back <laughs> home with thousands. <laughs> and so like, how was that financially, if you don't mind me asking, like, and when did Primally Pure come into the mix and why did it come into the mix? Yeah, well, that's a huge part of why I ended up starting Primally Pure because we didn't have any money at the time. I mean, we had all quit our jobs. It's not like we were making money before we quit our jobs because my husband was teaching. I was working for a nonprofit. We were not rich. And so we kind of gave up everything for this farm and weren't making hardly any money for a really long time. So in the meantime, I had kind of been working on these skincare products, just formulating on my own. And when we lived in Arizona, I was doing it then I was selling them to like people that I crossfitted with and all of that. And at one point my husband was just like, okay, like you need to just start selling this stuff. Um, like why, why are you not just selling it? Just do it. And I was really paralyzed by just like, how do I, there's so many steps involved in putting something out there, like perfecting these formulas and creating labels for them and just, you know, packaging and shipping and all of that. Like, how do I, where do I even begin with that? So he was just really pressing me to do it. And I eventually just had one of my friends design labels who had some graphic design experience and treated her for product. And I just kind of put it out there. I just, my friend actually took the pictures because she was a decent photographer. And then we put those on the Primal Pastures website. And I had already been running the Primal Pastures blog. That's the farm's name. So I kind of had a little network of people that I had been that like knew me and I had been communicating with and 
I had connected with some influencers along the way during that blogging process. So I did have a little springboard of people that really helped a lot when I launched these products in terms of just... Are you talking like... Sorry, totally interruption. There we go. That was not... Sorry. Are you talking like you had hundreds of people that you had in your back pocket or thousands or you had like thousands of influencers or hundreds like like it was a few hundred I think I had an email list going just for the primal pastures farm blog and Mm -hmm. I think I had like four to six hundred people on that email list so not a lot at all but it was enough to at least give me some reassurance when I started and when I was sending out products to some of these people that okay like it's kind of starting to work they're people are telling other people and my business is starting to grow. It wasn't just this automatic, all of a sudden we were doing tons of sales, but it wasn't totally flatlined either. So just that small base of people that I was already connecting with and that already were interested in the content I was giving out, just having those people was huge because it it catapulted my business in a very small way, but it gave me enough of a confidence boost to know that I wasn't just that I'm just spinning my wheels for no reason, that there were people that were interested in what I was doing and that wanted the products that I was creating. So that was huge for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like you had this little, it's almost like you had this like incubator of people that were aware of who you are, aware of the farm, aware of what you were up to. And like you were, you know, kind of consistently in their lives through Mm -hmm. the email and then launching that product out from there. I think why I asked you like how many people is I'm just thinking of someone starting their own business or someone who feels stuck or who has a spot following. Like you're not saying that you were sitting on like 10,000 Instagram Mm -hmm. followers or, you know, you had connections with the industry's top influencers. Mm -hmm. Like it, it sounds like it was like really almost like this like grassroots thing for you. Yes, it was very grassroots in every way you can possibly imagine anything being grassroots. And I mean, even the people that I did connect with, I wasn't like, I didn't know this one person that connected me with all these people. And suddenly I had this huge network. I like, I went to local events mm. centered around healthy living, healthy eating. And I would study local influencers that were going to be there. And I would just go up and start talking to them, which isn't something that I'm not an outgoing person. That's not super comfortable for me, but it was just what I had to do. So yeah, I didn't really have a ton of tools to work with. I just kind of tried to create them as best as I could and, and figure things out along the way. And then, you know, in terms of getting past all the roadblocks or what I thought were roadblocks about launching a line of products. Um, I just, a lot of that had to just be figured out as I went along as well, like shipping things out. I didn't know anything about shipping software or like right now we're using stamps.com. I didn't have that. So I was just handwriting addresses on labels and I would take them into the post office, like huge trash bags full of products. And like they would scan them in one by one and I would drive around to local hair salons and coffee shops and pick up any newspapers or magazines that they were willing to give me. And then I would go home and I would shred them using just like a shredder I had bought at Costco. And that's what I would use to fill the packages with to like insulate and protect the products inside. So everything was just very, very bootstrapped. 
And where were you, like, were you making the product like just you by yourself? Like where was the, where was your shop? It was in my kitchen. So it was in the kitchen, the same kitchen that, that we were all using. So I would be like cooking up deodorants in batches of like eight at a time while someone next to me was like cooking dinner for themselves. (laughs) So it was crazy. And then that went on. We all lived together for about a year until we ended up getting a new piece of land for the farm that we started leasing. So we moved the farm onto this new 40 acre property. We had previously been on two and a half acres at my in-laws home. So we moved it onto a larger property and there was a home on that property that we were able to live in and rent my husband and I. So we moved into there. So, and then I moved primarily pure into that house too. And that's when things really started to take off. Um, I was there for quite a while. And then I actually had a few employees after about, I think about six months in, I rebranded, which was huge for the business, moved everything off of the Primal Pastures website, made a new website just for Primally Pure and like just really committed to going all in with it. Hired on one person to start and then another person. And then right before I gave birth to my daughter a few months before I was due, I hired on my first full-time employee and trained her up, taught her how to basically run everything in my absence and moved the business out of the house into like a mixed office warehouse space all within a few months before my daughter was born. And then that allowed me to take a little bit of time off after I gave birth to be a mom. And then things were just kind of happening without me, which was great. And then a few, gosh, I think I took, I took a month about, I think completely off and then just kind of slowly started easing back into work after that. Wow. I'm just like sitting here with like my jaw on the floor. Like (laughs) I'm just so impressed. Hey friends, we want to invite you to be a part of the Refined Collective Podcast tribe. Patreon is an incredible platform that allows artists and creatives to raise funds that empower them to do their craft with excellence by giving you, our audience, the opportunity to sign up for monthly pledges. You can sign up for as little as $5 a month. Our Patreon tribe has first access to our latest episodes, as well as information and insight concerning all things Refined Collective podcast related. Please check out our page and join us in empowering us to continue to create meaningful episodes, interviews, and content for y'all. You can find our page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Refined Collective. Something that you just said really stood out to me. So you started your business in February 2015, or you launched Primally Pure on your on the farm's website. Yeah. And at that point, you were saying like, I don't even know if I can do this. Like, you're afraid of failure. You don't know who's going to even buy it. You just have a couple hundred people on your email list to six months from there hiring someone or hiring starting to hire a team six months into your business. And then a couple months after that, you get pregnant and a year and a half into your business, you're able to take time off. Like that sounds like an entrepreneur's dream. (laughs) Um, So you must've grown a lot in that first six months to have the 
confidence and the financial means to rebrand? Like you went from $0 to what in six months? And what did you end your first year at? Oh boy. I'm not sure what we were at. Key to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm not sure what we were at in six months. I just know that, I mean, I wasn't taking any money out of the business and I think the rebrand costed about $10,000. So I had saved up enough to, to do that and to invest in, make a few other business investments, but wasn't taking any money out. And then at the end of the first year, I think we had done, oof, 80 something thousand. That was what we did wow. the first year. Wow. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that like the reason why I was able to take that time off with my daughter is because I decided to take a huge leap of faith in hiring our first full-time employee and then also moving the business out of my home. I mean, both of those things were probably a little bit premature and huge risks and not something that I would have chosen to do if I didn't feel like I had to, because at the time I felt like I was really faced with a decision of, do I continue to do this? I mean, I had a little bit of help, part-time help, but I was still doing a lot by myself. So the, the decision I had to make was, do I continue to essentially do this on my own and have this baby and just kind of take time off from it without anything ha- like without any full-time people around to really continue to push things forward and then risk it, the business kind of fizzling out? Or do I hire someone full-time and move the business out of my home so that, and take the chance on, on making those huge investments, even though it might not have been the smartest thing to do? Um, I mean, if I really believe in my business and believe in what I'm doing, then it makes sense. It made sense to me to do that. And I, I was praying so much about it and just kind of talking to God and, and saying like, okay, if, if we, we had been talking to our pastor's wife actually about coming on full time. And so that would have meant that she would have had to quit her stable full-time job and take a huge pay cut and come on full-time with primarily pure. So thinking about that, I was just like, if this is, if Jen quits her job and does this, then, then I know that like, that's all the reassurance I need that this is what I need to be doing and that this is the right move. And so she ended up doing it. And I, it was like this weeks of just, is she going to do it? Is she not? And I would run into her and her husband at church and like try to read them and couldn't really tell. (laughs) And eventually she told me that she was in. And so I was like, okay, then this is like, this is going in the right direction. And then we were trying to get a, a building like at the same time to move it into. Cause obviously I didn't want people in my house full time. And, you know, I had other employees too, and I didn't want people coming in and out while in the first few weeks of, of having a baby and we weren't, the house wasn't large by any means. And we weren't really like using the kitchen to cook. We had people cooking for us because it was full of primarily pure all the time. So that was really important to me too, to move the business out. And I found a space that just felt so right and kind of thought the same thing. Like if we end up getting this space, then, then this is like the right path and this is the right move. And we did. So those were like the two big things that really needed to come together and, and they both came together. So 
I just went for it. And now I'm so glad I did. I can't imagine it any other way. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you... Okay. I think what can be so easy to do as a small business owner when um, you're first getting started and was my, my first, the photographer I worked for before I started my own business, he used to say, it's so easy to think I have to pay rent this month. And that's the mentality that we get in as entrepreneurs and small business owners. And then we just stay stuck in this, like, I got to take the job. I got to do whatever I need to do to like put food on the table today. But we gotta we gotta pause because it's not that that's not important. But if we want to grow a business and a team, you have to think, okay, how can I put a down payment on a house so that I can buy it and own it? How can I build a team so that I can have a more balanced life? And I think it sounds like you had that intuition from the beginning, which to me shows that you are a really great leader. Um, within your first year, you're saying, okay, when I actually had $10,000, you weren't like, oh my gosh, let me just like put the food on the table or buy a new car. You said, I'm going to put that back into my business. So you funneled the money that you brought in back into your business. And then you invested into a full-time employee. And that just sounds like those are decisions that not a lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning are making because it's all about like, how can I like pay the bills today? So I think that like, that was great foresight on your part and inspires me. So I guess my next question to you is like, when did you start paying yourself? And when did that become profitable to you? Cause it sounds like you are kind of, you're not taking a paycheck. You're funneling the money back into primarily pure. You're hiring someone full time. Like when did this become a profitable business? Like when did you start taking home? Yeah, that's a good question. So, well, thank you for totally. calling me a good leader. I'm not sure that I consider myself one, but it's something that I'm working on a lot. So I think it was towards the end of 2015, like fall, winter, that I started taking a small salary. And then once I hired someone on full time, I had to cut that salary not don't remember by how much, but I, I had to lower my salary at that point and have had to do that here and there since then, whenever we make big jumps, just to make sure that the the business has enough Mm -hmm. money to keep functioning. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I guess that makes it about, I would say maybe nine, 10 months before I started taking a little bit of money from the business. Wow. And so then from there, So you go from like zero to 80 K in sales that first year, you started with those four products. And can you tell us what the first, can you tell us what those four products are and what have you grown primarily pure into over the last three years? Yeah. So we started out with deodorant and that's still like our flagship product. Even back then it was the products that really took off from the beginning. So deodorant, lip balm, body butter and outdoor lotion were what we started with. And we're still selling all of those products today, aside from outdoor lotion, which was a natural sunscreen that I couldn't call sunscreen because it hadn't been tested by the FDA for SPF value. So we still get questions about it. People still ask if we're going to bring it back. And we've even had a few people ask for the recipe, which I haven't given them because there's still a chance we'll bring it back one day. Awesome thing to bring back. 
Where are you guys today? Um, three and a half years in, where are you guys at right now? As far as like products, expansion, I know you yeah. guys launched like a subscription service. You guys have an incredible affiliate program. Yeah. So now we have 30, maybe around 30. I should know this number <laughs> products. Um, and like I said, deodorant is still our number one seller. We came out with a charcoal deodorant this past fall. That's been a huge hit. And then we're coming out with another deodorant, actually a blue tansy deodorant in June. So super excited for that one. But we have... What's that? (laughs) (laughs) It's an essential oil. Right now it's in our blue tansy beauty cream and our blue tansy body oil, but it's really great for fighting inflammation, super calming, soothing oil. It has a component called azulene, which is what gives it its blue hue. And that's what makes it really, really good for fighting any kind of irritation or inflammation in the skin. So yeah. And it also smells really nice. Ooh, I, well, that is like really key with the deodorant. And yeah. I know I told you this when you gave me your deodorant, like I have ruined so many clothes and smelt like a really smelly person by trying to do toxic free deodorant. Yep. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to use this Bethany because <laughs> I remember, I remember you saying that thing going on and you're like, just try it out. Um, and it, it really works. Um, how, how, how (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you say that. Um, you know, that was a huge part of how we, of like the starting the first few months and years of, of starting primarily pure too, because it took me so long. I mean, almost two years before I even launched primarily pure to come out with a deodorant that I felt comfortable selling. And then even once I started selling it, I had, you know, more people trying it. So more feedback and So I was constantly making tweaks for, I mean, the first up until last fall, we finally came out with one deodorant formula that we found to work best for the vast majority of people um, because we had previously had a regular deodorant and a sensitive deodorant, which had less baking soda because baking soda can be, can cause irritation for a lot of people. So yeah, we've we've had a lot of different deodorants over the years and finally just this past fall came out with one formula that now I'm super happy with and probably will never change. So yeah, that was a huge process. Well, humans across the entire world, thank you for <laughs> saving them. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. I'm so glad you like it. When you say that like you're tinkering with the recipes three years in, you know, now you're bringing in, you know, millions in sales a year. Are you still the one in the kitchen? Like, okay, let's sprinkle in a little bit more. <laughs> like, are you still um, hands-on in that process? I am. I'm still, yep. I'm still the one doing most of that. I have an esthetician on my team, so she assists with certain things now. And I mean, really everybody on the team is a huge part of the recipe creation process. I make everybody try new things and get feedback from them first and foremost before we send it out to kind of like the next level of focus group um, with all of our friends and family for more people to try. So yeah, I mean, I'm still leading the charge in that area, but I have a lot of help now. I have a team of 13 and they're amazing. Um, They're the reason where, where we are today. So I'm still, I don't have like an R&D team. It's still kind of me, but it's not just me. 
Yeah. Well, girl, congratulations on what you've created, starting literally from scratch, from your in-laws kitchen as your brother-in-law is cooking dinner next to you. (laughs) I mean, it's such a cool story. And I think we need to hear more stories like yours because, you know, it's easy to look now at the website and the brand and the product and think, man, she must have always been like this, you know? Um, And to have been able to expand your team to 13, I just think it's so incredible. And thank you for your candor and being so honest. Like for me, like those like specific moments are are helpful because I'm like, okay, so how many influencers? Okay. A couple hundred. Okay. Like how many on your team that first year, how much did you invest into that rebrand? Cause I think it gives people and myself something to like hang our hats on. And I think the more we can kind of like flesh that out as business owners to other business owners, the more helpful and the more wins we can create for people. Cause otherwise it's like, wow, I I can't do what Bethany's doing. She has a team of 13 as opposed to like, well, like let's be real here. Like it started in a kitchen when your whole family's like living in the same house (laughs) together. Yeah. And thank you for asking those questions because I totally get everything you're saying. And that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about too, is just making, breaking things down and making things feel achievable for people. Because like you were saying, it's just easy to see where someone else is and to think that you could never get to that level. But mm-hmm. I, I think I shared this video with our mastermind group and I think you commented on it, the Steve Harvey video. Yes. <laughs> I uh. love that video and I watched it so many times, like, and still have to watch it when I'm feeling unsure about something or whatever. But basically it's this video of Steve Harvey talking to the family feud audience after a show's ended. And he's just talking about how, if you want to soar, then you have to jump. So he talks about making leaps of faith and trusting God that if you use the gifts he's given you, that he's not going to let you fall. So I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this. Exactly. Man. Okay. We're going to definitely link to this. this Okay. Steve. (laughs) I love it. I can't get enough of it. My husband's always making fun of me for it because I tell everyone about it, but I think it's so good. Yes. So along those lines, um, we're going to move into one of my favorite parts of the episode where I ask every guest the same questions. So we'll start with what are three things that you are obsessed with or that you are loving right now? Yeah. Besides Steve yeah, Harvey. Besides Steve Harvey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll m- mention new things. Um, I'm really obsessed with our blue tansy deodorant that's going to come out in a few months. It's probably my favorite one, at least right now. It's my favorite. I love the smell of blue tansy. I'm obsessed with it and just how calming and soothing it is. I love it. So I'm really excited about that. I'm a huge matcha fan. So I'm always obsessed with matcha. I have it almost every morning, um, in a smoothie with coconut oil and collagen peptides and honey and sometimes dates. So love matcha. And <laughs> I'm also really into tropical vacations. Like yeah, we went to Hawaii in February and I can't remember what our last vacation was before that, but every time we go on one, I just look forward to like our next tropical vacation, just like being on a beach with sunshine and ocean water. 
it just always sounds like the best thing in the world to me. I think it is the best thing in the world. <laughs> I, I know, right? Like, What's better? Yes, nothing, nothing. Yeah. I put a margarita in my hand, yep. chips and guacamole. And mm-hmm. I mean, what else do you want in life? Exactly. There's nothing better. I, I found, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Todos Santos. Have you heard of that mm-hmm. town? Oh no, what is it? So it's in Mexico. I guess people are saying it's like what Tulum was 15 years ago. Oh, um, cool. And um, I'm looking for a tropical vacation. So I was on Pinterest and I <laughs> basic Pinterest searches. I'm like, cool, tropical getaway. <laughs> that sounds and, amazing. Oh my you'll, gosh. Have to, you'll have to let me know if you end up going, how it is. I will, I will definitely let you know is Costa Rica. We've been going Mm. there for the past, we went for the past two years and then we're going again in May and I just can't wait. Where do you go when you're there? We fly into Liberia and then we go to like the Tamarindo area, like Guanacaste. I think it's more on the north side in the country, on the Pacific side, but it's just so laid back. The people are so friendly. It's beautiful. The food's amazing. It's not that expensive. So... I love it. Love it. Um, tropical getaways. Um, okay. Next, what do you wish you could tell your younger self? And I think specifically for you, what I want to ask Bethany is what would you have told yourself even five years ago as you were, you know, still trying to decide if, if this is something you wanted to do, what would you tell yourself? Mm, That's a good question. You know, I, probably just would have told myself that such bigger things are possible than I ever, than I ever dreamed. And just to truly trust in the Lord with your dreams, every step of the way, and he'll make them bigger than you could ever imagine them to be. Because I tried, I've always tried to trust that God has a bigger plan for my life than I do. And it's just hard to really see that until you really see things play out. So just really trusting and believing that every step of the way. And I think that's true for anyone. You know, I think God puts gifts, gives us gifts for a reason, places things on our hearts for a reason. And if we trust in, in those things and just kind of take baby steps towards whatever it is you really want to do and just know that you're going to have to sacrifice and you're not going to be this easy journey that, that it can be, your life can be, you know, more than you ever expected. Mm, That's good. I love that. And lastly, um, what is your vision? I mean, what's you, what's your vision for yourself for primarily for your family, your legacy? Like what's, I, I really believe that everybody has a story that they're inviting other people into. And, and you just, you just said something along those lines that like, you know, God gives us these gifts and, we get to explore them and flush them and tease them out. What is that for you? Like, what is the story that you want to invite other people into? Yeah. Um, I mean, I really started primarily pure out of my passion for just health, wellness, living life to the fullest. Um, and just try to encourage others to do the same I really am proud of the community that we've built with Primally Pure, the community that we have as a team and just how the women on our team have flourished and really encouraged one another in their own lives. And we try to 
create that same kind of family atmosphere just with our customers and with our followers and people that subscribe to our email list, just everyone that interacts with our company. We just want them to feel fulfilled and just help them to achieve their best, most helpful self. Um, so I think that's a huge part of our brand and what we want to accomplish in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an incredible vision. And even as you're talking, I saw this, I was, I was Instagram stalking Joanna Gaines last night. <laughs> yep. That's always <laughs> fun. Like, How did I get here? <laughs> like, what happened? Uh-huh. But there was a picture from the wall of her restaurant. Um, and it said something like everyone has a place at the table. Yeah. I've seen that. It, yeah. Oh, it just like gives me goosebumps. Um, but that's what I hear when you're, when you're talking is like, there's space for everyone, like to be a part of your family and to have a healthy life and to, um, be in community. Um, they're like, it's like, you're inviting people into like this family living. Totally. Um, well girl, I acknowledge you for what you're up to. I'm so excited to see where you keep growing and I can't wait to see you again in June. Thank you. I'm so excited too. Yeah. And just before we leave, where can people find you? Where can they find Primally Cure? Where can they buy all your goods? Yeah. Thank you for asking. People can find us on our website, primallypure.com. And then on Instagram, we are at primallypure. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter because we offer lots of fun promotions and share lots of skincare tips through that as well. Well, thanks so much, Bethany. Um, Yeah, you're a rock star and we will chat soon. Thank you, Kat. Have a good day. Okay, you too. I'm Kat Harris and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here. 